This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. All right, we're going to be doing our top 10 best single seasons uh, by position. Uh, who is your honorable mention? So we'll kind of go through each position, and we'll pick an honorable mention at that position, and then who I think had the best season. How about that? All right, there's been a lot of MVP years. There's a lot of good seasons. I mean, there's been a lot of standout individual seasons in the history of Oakland A's baseball. And as we go through this list, you'll see there's a couple of them that are really, in my opinion, too close to call. I'll make a decision, but I can see an argument either way for a lot of these guys. All right, let's start at catcher. So catcher, honorable mention, is not Ray Fossey. Uh, Sorry, Ray. Uh, Honorable mention is a guy who kind of took Ray's job at catcher in a strange way, and that's Gene Tennis. See, in 73 and 74, Gene Tennis played a lot of first base because Ray Fossey was your catcher. But come 75, Claudio Washington had established himself that he was going to be a star. So he goes to left field, that moved Joe Rudy to first, and that pushed Gene Tennis to catcher and pushed our friend Ray to the bench. But in 75, Ray had, uh, Gene had a tremendous season. I mean, he already shown power in 73 and 74, of course, the 72 World Series. But in 75, it all came together as a catcher, 29 homers, 87 runs batted in, always had the great eye, 106 walks. So Gene Tennis is our second best season by an ace catcher. Who is the best? Number one by an Oakland catcher was Terry Steinbach in 1996. Steinbach set the American League record for home runs by a catcher at 34. He actually had 35 total. One was his DH. 34 as a catcher. That record was eventually broken by Pudge Rodriguez in 99, but no one had ever done that before in the American League. 35 homers. He also drove in 100 runs. He hit 272. Uh, he was stymied. You know, 96, the ball was, was flying for the A's. They had a lot of home runs, and it was fun to go to the ballpark to see these guys just mash. And, and Stein just had this power surge that year and clutch, a lot of clutch homers. And, and the best part is going to the, the final Saturday of the season. Everyone knows Stein needs one home run to set the, the record for catcher by an American League catcher and one RBI for 100. So what does he do in the bottom of the sixth? He homers. Rounds the plate, picks up his gear, goes in the clubhouse, gets dressed, goes, hops on a plane, goes back to Minnesota. He was done with the game. <laughs> Homers, goes in the run, gone. Oh, man, that, 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 that's a monster year for a catcher. All right, let's go to first base. Now, first base, is, this is a lot of debate. I'm still debating myself about this, to be honest. Your My honorable mention <laughs> is, uh, is Mark McGuire, and you could pick your season. Uh, obviously he had the rookie year of 49 homers, which was great. But in 96, 
I mean, he was just a monster. That was full-blown McGuire at his peak with the A's. He had 312. You know, this is a guy who barely had 200 just, what, six years before in 91. Now he had 312, 52 homers, 113 runs batted in, a slugging percentage, which is still the Oakland record, of 730. I mean, this is, this is peak McGuire in 1996. And uh, if he had not, he missed the first week of the season. Uh, that's the year the A's opened up in Vegas. If he had played those six games in Las Vegas, he might have had 60 that year, without a doubt, because the ball was flying out of Vegas when we started the year. Um, but still, a huge season, but still, to me, not the best by an A's first baseman. And, right. and that goes to Jason Giambi. Yeah, I Giambi. Mean, I, torn. <laughs> yeah, t- totally torn. I mean, just, and, it's, and now it's now it's with Giambi. Is it the 2000 season or the 2001 season? Because he won the MVP in 2000, hit 333, huge OPS over 11, 43 homers, an Oakland record 137 RBI. In 2001, he had 342 Oakland record, 477 on base percentage, Oakland record, still hits 38 homers, 120 runs batted in, should have won the MVP. They gave it to Ichiro, and and we've talked about this before. Ichiro was a new shiny object. Everybody loved him. The Mariners won 116 games, and Giambi was the better baseball player in that year as far as run production. Uh, So either 2000 or 2001 season, maybe – I got to lean 2000 just because he, he won the MVP that year, but just monster season back-to-back by Giambi. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Those numbers are incredible. All right, second base. Second base, our honorable mention is Mark Ellis in 2007. Uh, and only at that point, he established himself as a top-flight defensive second baseman. A year before, he only had two errors. But in 2007, the bat came with it. He hit 276, 18 homers. Drove in 76, 33 doubles, still only made five errors in 150 games. Still a crime that he ever won a gold glove. I mean, he was, he was top. He was one of your top AL second basemen, and that 2007 season was right there. Are you going Jed Lowry? Jed Lowry has to be. And again, two unbelievable seasons at second base for the A's um, in 2017, 2018. But I got to go 2018 Jed Lowry. Uh, 37 doubles, 23 home runs, 99 runs batted in, an OPS over 800, and just he made every play in the field that year, and just a leader on this ball club. I just 2018 Jed Lowry is one of the best second base seasons, not just Oakland history, but as far as completely all around in the last 30, 40 years, it's right up there. Oh, I mean. Just an extra base hit machine. It was just incredible. We're we're putting together a good lineup here. All right, shortstop. So this is this is my toughest one, and I really you can go either way. And I actually had a conversation with Ken Korak about this yesterday, and we, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, so it's I don't know if you can see it's an honorable mention. It's one or the other, and it's it's two greatest seasons by an A shortstop: 2002 Miguel Tejada, 2019 Marcus Simeon, and. These years were so similar. Uh, Tejada hits 308, sets an Oakland record with 204 hits, 34 bombs, 30 doubles, 131 runs batted in. Just off the chart. And we know the, the clutchness during the winning streak and, and winning the MVP. And I look at Simeon. Simeon hits 285, 33 homers, 
43 doubles, ties the Oakland record at 123 runs, and drives in 92. You say, well, 131 RBI for the hot, 92 for Simeon. That's, that's a huge difference. That's 40 runs. Yeah, but Simeon's got his leadoff. He drove in 92 runs as a leadoff hitter. That means every game, and he played every game, that's 162 plate appearances. He was guaranteed to bat with nobody on base. And he still drove in 92 runs. So, I mean, those two years are just, they're so mirror to each other that it, it's really so close to call. Where are you going? I got to go to Hada just because he won the MVP. Simeon finished third. Uh, and, and living through that streak and having to take over for that team. Giambi's gone now. Someone had to step up and fill that vacuum. And Hada did it. And he did it in such a huge way. And, and I'm a sucker for clutch. I, I love clutch, and Tejada was every bit of it that season. Yeah, that's like A and B. That's a that's a really tough call because Marcus' season was truly one of the greatest season of of any A. Forget just Oakland A, any A. Going back to Kansas City and obviously Philadelphia. All right, third base. Third base. Our honorable mention. Uh, two honorable mentions. We're going to be Matt Chapman in 2018, and a lot of that's because of his defense. And his war when he throw in his defense was 8.1. And he's just off the charts defensive numbers with the metrics and everything. Very solid offensively, no doubt. But the defense was just off the charts. And then Josh Donaldson in 2013, where he's 301, 24 bombs, 93 runs batted in. And this is a guy who in 2012 was still catching. Like he caught two games for the A's in 2012. In 2013, now he's established himself as the everyday third baseman, and he was just he was fantastic all the way through and a real leader on that ball club. Yeah, you remember he came up for what, like two games, and I think they were both at the Sky Dome. Yeah, he had. You know, it was funny because he came up originally as a catcher when when Bob, uh, Bob Guerin was still the manager, and in 2012 he's, he's in Japan with us, and they really have a position for him. He's been a catcher. He's going to play third. And he was struggling either way. And again, even in the midseason, like you said, in Toronto, he's catching a couple games. I mean, he really didn't establish himself as a third baseman till the end of the 2012 season, near the end of August, after the Brandon Inge injury. Uh, but by 2013, he established himself as an all-star caliber player. Yeah, and I'll never forget when he got sent down and he was hitting like 0.8-something, and he called my talk show. On 95.7, they got, hey, Josh Donaldson's on the line. I'm like, really? He called me on his way back to Sacramento because he wanted to talk college football. He's the greatest guy. <laughs> that's, you know what, that's awesome. I and mean, you love hearing that. And he's, he's going to do big things for the Twins this year. I have a feeling that's a really good team in the Central. Uh, we're going to battle the White Sox. But Josh Donaldson's the type of player. Uh, he's healthy and on, and his personality, he can carry the team. All right, who do you got third? So my third baseman is Sal Bando, Captain Sal in 1969. This is the second year in Oakland, but Sal hits 281, 31 homers, 113 runs batted in, 111 walks, scored 106 runs. I and mean, we've talked about Sal Bando on this show many times about how underrated he was. Uh, and, you know, even in 69, he gets overshadowed by Reggie Jackson and Reggie's 47 homers, but 31 home runs at the Coliseum, which played so much bigger in 1969. 
and the way that pitching was, yes, the mound was lowered that season, so numbers went up. But still to have that type of power in an era where those are huge numbers. Those are really big numbers, especially if you try and correlate it to today's numbers. Uh, and he's Captain Sal, and he just gets overlooked so many times. And I'm not overlooking this season. This is, this is huge numbers by a third baseman in 1969. Steinbach, Giambi, Jed, Miguel, and Bando. That's not a bad infield. Let's go to left field. Left field. Honorable mention is Joe Rudy. Uh, you know, obviously a great left fielder in A's history. And 74 out there. It's 293, 22 bombs, drives in 99, wins a gold glove, finishes in top five of the MVP. Just a solid player. Uh, you know, another guy who, as time goes by, we, we need to really appreciate what Joe Rudy was and what he meant to this franchise. And we didn't have the, the Hall of Fame last year, the Oakland Hall of Fame. Um, hopefully we do maybe two classes this year. And, and Joe Rudy and Sal Bando have to be on in these next classes because that's, that's where they are in Oakland history. They're Hall of Famers. Oh, no doubt about it. Who are you starting? So, is Ricky. And Ricky could have honorable mention in 81 or in 80. But his 1990 MVP season, again, for a leadoff hitter, just numbers you don't see. Hits 325, might have won the batting title. He finished second to George Brett, and George Brett didn't play against lefties at all in September of 1990. He was basically sitting on his lead. Uh, good for George Brett, kind of robbed Ricky. Ricky should have won the batting title if, if George had played every day. The uh, Ricky, a 439 on base, 577 slugging from a leadoff hitter. 28 homers, stole 65 bases, scored 119 runs, just the best player in baseball. Beat out Cecil Fielder in his 50 homers for MVP. And just, he was Ricky. And that was, again, we talk about peak playing. That's peak Ricky. He was determined. He was focused the entire season. And there was nobody better than Ricky Henderson in 1990. Cecil Fielder hitting the ball out of Tiger Stadium. Out of time, off Dave Stewart out of Tiger Stadium. God, you remember like like he was a Blue Jay, then he went and played what in Japan, and then he comes back and he's just a monster. Monster, quick wrist, quick wrist. He was for such a big guy. He was so quick with his hands. Center field, center field's tougher. Uh, we haven't had any real monster seasons out of center fielders in Oakland history, but couple that stand down this one just comes a little short and that's Dwayne Murphy uh, and I picked his 1980 season uh, batting second behind Ricky such an important position in the lineup and Murph drew 102 walks and he's taken a lot of pitches he's got Ricky on he's going to take pitches to let him steal the bases but Murphy had a really discerning eye so 102 walks Murph also stole 26 bases himself he also laid down 22 sacrifice bunts and he wins a gold glove in center field. I mean, Tony Murphy, he had a bigger home run year in 83. Power started developing. But but in 80, as a number two hitter, he was the prototypical number two hitter. So good in that spot, batting behind Ricky. Are you going Hindu? I'm going Hindu in 1988, his first season with the club. A guy who, when he signed with the A's, was thought of as an afterthought. Right, He had just come off ending the 87 season with the Giants, wasn't playoff eligible for that team. They just, it's another guy. But he just has a monster year. And to me, probably the best offensive year for any Oakland center fielder. He hit 304, 24 home runs, 38 doubles, 
94 runs batted in. Again, he hit a lot of times. He hit in the two-hole a lot behind Luis Filoni and Carney Lansford that year because Tony LaRusso liked having a power hitter in the number two spot. Um, and the great center field work that he did, just tying everything together. And, you know, Hindu had an all-star year a little later in the early 90s, but that 88 season, oh, what a way to make your debut with Oakland and just have a monster year. I think right field's probably pretty easy for you. Right field, you know, you, you got you got two guys who names in Oakland, right? So my honorable mention here is Reggie. Reggie in 69, as we mentioned, 47 homers. He had 37 homers before the All-Star break. So all the Roger Maris talk started, and was Reggie going to break the record, the whole deal? And the pressure got to Reggie. Admittedly, he himself a bit the pressure got to him. They only had 10 homers the rest of the year. Uh, still, 47 homers, 118 runs batted in, scored 123 runs, fantastic. Reggie was also great in 73 when he won the MVP. Probably was even off to a better season in 74 uh, before he got hurt in the clubhouse fight. Uh, but the number one season by a right fielder in Oakland history, the first player to ever do it. 40 homers, 40 steals, 1988 Jose Canseco, the first 40-40 man. He had his own phone number. You can call and talk to him. Uh, <laughs> 307 average. I mean, again, Jose, he cared so much that year. The two-strike approach, shortening his swing. And he was still so dangerous with a shortened swing because he was so strong. The 40 steals, an OPS of 959, Oakland record 347 total bases. It was the full package. And Jose played good defense in 88. You know, he played mostly left field with the A's before that season. But 88, he's your everyday right fielder. And he played really well out there. Just We've never seen anything like it. Never have we seen a year like Jose had in 1988. And, and the difference between his 40-40 and like Bonds and A-Rod, those guys were all on bad teams. He's doing this on, on, a, on, a, on a playoff-bound team. And you had never seen a guy of his size stealing 40 bases, right? Seiko was huge. And he was so big. And to see him rumbling towards second base at the speed that he could generate. Um, you know, Barry, when he was doing it, was a little slimmer than he was. Aaron was always a freak athlete and good for him and Alfonso Soriano. Uh, but Canseco, the guy that big, we just not seen that before. And you're right. He did it in games that mattered. Every game mattered in that 88 season where he won 104 games. And he, uh, he was just, he was phenomenal. D.H. D.H. So this one, I had to think about a little bit because Chris Davis in 2018, 48 homers, 123 RBIs. He had 247. I didn't know if you knew that, but he had 247. Uh, monster year. But to me, the greatest D.H. year, and the year that probably put him solidly in the Hall of Fame, and that was Frank Thomas in 2006. And one of my favorite years to watch a player and do what he did. And I always say it was a Hall of Famer doing Hall of Fame things. Right? He hit 39 homers, drove in 114. And that just tells part of the story because he got off to such a bad start. Uh, but after May, after the trip back to Chicago, he was rolling. And it was just, again, clutchness. You're down by a run in the bottom of the eighth, and Frank Thomas comes up with a man on. Frank hits a two-run homer. And then you go to the ninth, Houston Street closes it out and the A's win. It just seemed to be the script for that team because Frank did Hall of Fame things. Uh, every time you needed something, you get it. Game one of the playoffs against Yolanda Santana, home run. Just 
it was Frank. It was the best year that I can remember watching a guy just be a Hall of Famer. And, and he really was. It was it was a pleasure to watch. I mean, this lineup, can you imagine this lineup? Steinbach, Giambi, Lowry, Tejada, Bando, Ricky, Hindu, Canseco, and Frank Thomas. Yeah, you put it up against pretty much anybody, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I always I've I've always thought Canseco should be a Hall of Famer. You got Ricky's in the Hall of Fame, you got Frank in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Giambi, you can make a case, but I mean, this is a big, powerful lineup and and, and you'd have the greatest leadoff hitter getting you going. Did you do any pitching? Yeah, I gave you a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher. And, you know, we've had some, obviously, some wonderful seasons by starting pitchers. You know, Zito winning a Cy Young in 2002, Bob Welch a Cy in 1990 winning 27, Catfish. Cy Young, 74, 25, and 12, 23 complete games. But nobody comes close or as dominant as Vita Blue in 1971. Uh, he won the MVP in the Cy Young. He went 24 and 8. His ERA was 1.82. He threw 312 innings and struck out 301 batters, threw eight shutouts. More tickets were, were, were bought on the road to watch a Vita Blue pitch game than any other player. Uh, he was, you know, the face of baseball that year, starting the all-star game and just dominant. The blue blazer, Vita blue in 71, untouchable. Yeah, it was, a, it was, I mean, he was a rock star. He, you know, he on time magazine Newsweek. I mean, he was everywhere. I mean, that's when being on magazines was a big deal. Now this, this one for me is going to be tough for you. Cause obviously things have changed over time for relievers and you got a, a couple of Hall of Fame relievers that had some lights out years. Yeah, you know, and, and Raleigh was great and he did his job and it was a different sort of way of closing, right? You'd pitch more than one inning, you'd pitch two or three. So he didn't have the sparkling ERA. Uh, he had the innings pitched, obviously, but he just didn't have that dominance. And to me, the two most dominant relief, well, relief pitchers who had the seasons. Uh, one guy had a bunch of dominant seasons is, is Blake Trinan in 2018. And then of course, Eck and, and Blake Trinan in 2018, 0.78 ERA, a hundred strikeouts in only in 80 in the third innings. He served, saved 38 of 43. Uh, he was so nasty and so dominant. It's hard to imagine that somebody could be better than Blake Trinan was in 2018, but Eck had three seasons that were better than Blake Trinan in 2018. That's how good Dennis Eckersley was. And didn't uh, didn't Blake have like nine wins? Yeah, and he had the wins because when he would come into games, again, if he if he would blow, he blew five, but he would save the tie, give him a chance to win. But you look at Eck, and the season I picked was not his MVP Cy Young year in 92, but 1990, Dennis Eckersley. And these numbers – they're they're stratomatic numbers, right? They're they're, they're crazy. They they're they're a baseball game. He went forty eight for fifty in saves. It's hard to believe that he actually blew two. His ERA was zero point six one. He threw seventy two and two thirds innings, had seventy three strikeouts, four walks, and one of those was intentional. So three unintentional walks in seventy two and two thirds innings in the most clutch, high-pressure situations that a reliever can be put in trying to close out a game. 
I just, it's mind boggling how good he was in 1990. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredible run. I mean, think about saving, you know, going from saving your career to becoming a hall of famer. I mean, Dennis Eckersley, I mean, what a life in baseball. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah I mean, in such a good, honest guy. I mean, I've had more fun. You talk to Eckersley um, and you can bring up anything with him. You know, you can, he's had some horrible moments, right? You can bring up the Kirk Gibson and Roberto Alomar and, you know, he's not thrilled to talk about it. Um, but he'll, when he does, he gets back in the moment. It's, it's fun to watch him get back in the moment. And I've talked to him about some other games or other situations, ones where he succeeded. Because not enough people talk to closers about games that actually did their job. There's, just, there's no drama there, right? No one talks about it. Everybody remembers the games they blew. But you get him in the games that he also was very good in clutch situations in game one of the 88 ALCS and striking out Wade Boggs to win it. I mean, and he gets right back in the moment. He can see his heart starting to race, and he's so excited. And he just – he loved it. He, he was so afraid of failure, right? And that's with all the emotion and everything else out on the mound. But now when you get back to it, you can see how much he really – Really enjoyed the competition. Well, this was a great list. Green and gold history. This is awesome. Thank you so much for stopping by. And we cannot wait to see you on Thursday. We'll see you at the ballpark, County. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.